0: You're listening to the Formation Church podcast. Formation exists to be a safe place for hurting people to find healing relationship with Jesus. For more information about the Ministry of Formation in Salt Lake City, Utah, visit our website at formationslc.com. Good morning, good morning. Um, all right, it's about February. How are the New Year's resolutions going? Yes? No? Good? Bad? Uh, Raise your hand if you didn't even make any so that you didn't have to break (laughs) them. All the type A's in the room. Very good. I am in that camp. Well, did you know that there's actually been um, some science, uh, many studies, in fact, done. Many of them conclude that basically, roughly, the second Friday into January is when most people quit, forego, edit their resolutions. So this year, that was Friday, January 13th. So if you're a little littlestitious or superstitious or not at all, I don't know. But if you've made it past that, well done. Um, again, I said none, so I feel very comfortable um, before you. But uh, it's overwhelming, right? Uh, back in the fall, the school year barely got started. Before, we could take a few crisp fall breaths of air. Thanks to Hobby Lobby, the pumpkins and the Christmas trees were out. So we had that. And then before we could catch our breath much there, we planned and we cooked and we gathered with all of our friends and family to celebrate the holidays. And that was all super lovely, right? And then, well, no sooner had the wrapping paper been tossed than we were thrust into goal setting mode, reflecting, resolutions, all of this. So Happy New Year, right? And here we are, one twelfth of our way into 2023. One twelfth of our way is now done. Uh, and I don't know if you're like me, I've barely <laughs> caught my breath. Uh, so. If you've hung around and not totally worn you out in this last 30 seconds, uh, then humor me for a moment and think back to those last couple weeks of December, so that time between Christmas and New Year's. I mean, you do know there's about roughly a week and a half between those two holidays. Um, I I don't care if you're married, single, whether you have kids or no kids, if you traveled or you didn't travel, that week between the holidays is a total blur, right? I mean, we barely know the day of the week, let alone the numeric value, like the numeric date. Um, we're all basically just thinking about which cheese-based appetizer we last ate and then when the next nap is coming, right? Uh, but as the time goes on, the delight of school being off and you know work being less or you're on vacation begins to wear off a little bit and we find ourselves maybe starting to long for a little bit of that routine and vegetables once again. So here are some words that might be relatable for you in that time. Foggy, blah, wonky, uncertain, behind, eager, just to name a few. There's also the very real presence of winter and seasonal depression. uh, And what, on top of what for some, including myself, can be a little bit of a feeling of letdown post-holidays. And it's in this vein that our culture tells us to reflect on the last year to look ahead, to set goals, to make resolutions, as, as if turning the calendar will somehow provide some magic or major change to our current reality. But let's recognize that while this time of year might amplify these feelings and emotions, don't we find ourselves in that place rather often, regardless of the date? No matter the reason or the cause, it is incredibly common and normal to walk through seasons of uncertainty. right? We often feel stuck, not necessarily because we don't know a way out, but more because the ensuing chaos around us is just hard to wade through. These seasons feel very disorienting. We feel confused. We feel uncertain, unclear on what to do or which direction to go. We don't always understand what's happening in us or around us. We feel disoriented. Now, for good or bad, um, I generally describe myself as a problem solver when it comes to my mental and emotional unrest. Uh, When I'm feeling disoriented, I'm not one to necessarily sit in it, which of course has good and bad, Uh, but I long to feel that peace restored, and so I am very quick to ask, okay, what's the problem and what do I need to do to fix it, to get rid of it? Uh, But so something that I'm working on growing personally is how to walk through these seasons where the end. Uh, is or solution is forthcoming, but not anytime soon, right? I, I often fall victim to things like, once my kids are all in school, then I will have time for this or for that. Or uh, when it's warmer out, we won't always be sick or passing around illness constantly. Uh, maybe once I have, you know, my job alters a little bit or I move to the next level, the stress will be more manageable. Or when we make a little bit more money, then we can live more comfortably. Now hear me, it is good and it is um, healthy to look ahead and to seek out the positive next steps. It's not wrong to long for that next thing, but that can be a real slippery slope. So again, I come back to what am I supposed to do? Where do I focus my attention when I'm feeling disoriented? Today we're going to glean some direction from Paul in his letter to the Colossians. This letter was written by Paul while he was in prison, which is especially important to note as and recognize that he is finding himself in his own very disorienting season. He's unable to continue the gospel work to which his entire life was devoted to, what put him in prison to begin with. He longs to be with the people of God, sharing and teaching, but he doesn't just say that things will get better or that things will improve once he's out. He actually gives us instruction on how we are to live in seasons of imprisonment, Now, of course, we are not literally, thankfully, in prison like Paul was, but we all know what it's like to feel stuck. Stuck uh, in negative thought patterns, stuck in behaviors that we just don't like but we can't seem to kick, even seasons of life that are just exhausting uh, in ways that truly stretch us. Now, before I jump into this fully, I want to make an important distinction. Paul was not a psychologist and he definitely did not have severe mental illness in mind when he wrote this letter. That's important to acknowledge, because in many churches, these verses are often used um, to severe, uh, applied to severe mental illness. But telling people to pray their way out of anxiety, severe uh, depression, bipolar, that's just as dangerous as telling someone to pray their way out of cancer. We absolutely should do no less than pray, but we can definitely do more. Okay? Therapy and medication may also be in order, and so I just wanted to preface uh, all that we're going to sit with today by saying that so that we don't overapply Paul's words. And additionally, if you find yourself recognizing that your condition is deeper, please, please do not hesitate to reach out to Pastor Ryan. So today, we're going to focus on Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. So if you have a Bible or an app, go ahead and open there. Um, If not, the verses will be on the screen, and so follow along as I read. Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. So just to frame this again, here's the question that we're bringing to these verses. Where do I focus when I'm feeling disoriented? First answer to that is prayer. Let's look again at the first two verses, verses two through four. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. Now, if you've been around this past month and you know something that we are working on as a community is to live more devoted to prayer. Okay? At its most basic level, prayer is simply talking to God. But for many of us, even that simplicity can be very overwhelming. We know from scripture the clear importance of prayer and our relationship with God and that community with God. Psalm 145, 18 says that God is near to all who call on him. Acts 2:42 describes the church community and especially it's devotion to prayer. First Thessalonians 5:17 says to pray without ceasing. The list goes on. Prayer is foundational to our relationship with God. And so it would make sense that when our world feels uncertain and chaotic, running to our heavenly father, our Abba, will absolutely bring a sense of security and peace amidst the fray. But here's what I find interesting. In verse 2, Paul calls out thanksgiving as part of our prayer. Here's why that is. If we're not intentional, we will walk through much of life feeling consumed by a sense of desolation. Desolation is a sense and feeling of being disconnected from God and from other people. Paul certainly was in a season marked by his fair share of desolation, and you and I walk through very much of our lives feeling our fair share of our own. But as we are constantly reminded as a community, uh, desolation isn't our whole story. Our stories can also be filled with consolation. We can experience consolation, that sense of nearness and closeness to God and others, with a little bit of intention on our part. If we will open our eyes to God's goodness around us, even in seasons of trial, prayer can be a grounding means for fighting for consolation in these seasons of desolation. Now, if you're anything like me, this fight for consolation feels like a lot of work, and it is. Uh, so let's take a look at some practical steps to make prayer a little bit less daunting. While God is accessible all the time, no matter our location or our state or our condition, most of us need some structure and intention. What we have found most helpful is having a time, a place, and a plan. Okay, so pick a time of day that fits your schedule and your mental acuity. If you're not a morning person, then don't just magically think that because you're going to wake up and pray, that suddenly that's going to go well for you. So that's okay, be honest about when in your day you can really focus. Select a place that is both accessible and comfortable, as free from interruption as possible. Maybe that's a cozy chair in your living room, your commute on your drive to work, a quiet office during your lunch break. Now, if you have young kids like me, just do your best. Interruption-free space is not really a thing uh, in our world, but if you're in that season of life, take heart. Preaching to myself at the moment, the Lord still has big things for us, even in those places of interruption. And then, uh, finally, have a plan. And so let me invite you uh, into a prayer experiment with me this week. Pick your time and your place and then let your plan be that you will bring both your desolation and your consolation before God. I love the way Kamala uh, talked about in your own words coming before God. In your own words, make a list. What am I thankful for? What's bringing me joy? Where do I see God at work? Also, what's causing me unrest? Where am I stressed? What relationships might feel hard right now? Bring it all, all to God, no matter how magnificent or trivial you may feel like it is. I challenged myself to a version of this back in college. Uh, I was starting the fall semester of my junior year, and I had moved off campus with some friends. And now through a myriad of changes that took place that summer before, uh, my friend group had shifted a little bit, and my campus schedule had totally changed. And so I found myself entering that fall with a lot of sadness, fear, and discontentment. Feeling stuck as to how to make the most of my situation, I challenged myself to something new. As I went to bed each night, which was customarily the time when I would read my Bible and pray, I forced myself to write down three good things about that day. Sometimes that was really, really hard. And I had to learn that simply acknowledging that my cup of coffee tasted good was a worthy win for the day. But what was so astonishing to me was that with each day, I became more and more aware of how many good things there actually were. God was truly opening my eyes to the positive around me, despite my circumstances being less than ideal. Take it from me, this work is worth the effort. Now, prayer is an intimate conversation between me and God, and Paul also gives us instruction regarding turning our attention away from ourselves and to others around us. So let's continue reading in verse 5. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. So the second answer to our question about where to focus our attention when we're feeling disoriented is to people. When I'm deep in my head, uh, whether it's feeling foggy or uncertain, it's often very, very hard to see anything else. If I have, as if I have blinders on, Uh, My disorientation seemingly prevents me from recognizing much else going on around me. And that is not a comfortable place to be. Yes, sometimes our situations call for us to put our head down, to go inward, to do the work needed in our own hearts and minds, but oftentimes what we really need is to lift our eyes and to look around. Notice, Paul calls us to act wisely toward outsiders or those who don't share our faith. Now, I will admit the word wise makes me feel a bit uneasy. Not because there's anything wrong with the word, but because it calls out my own discomfort around my lack of wisdom. Let me explain. Wisdom is making the most of the knowledge that I have. It's taking the best possible action that will lead to the most favorable outcome in any given situation. For those of you that don't know me, I have been so blessed to have been raised in a family where faith was taught, lived out, and invested in me. And then since then, I've also been so blessed to be a part of multiple churches with healthy leaders and good teaching. And so I have been given a lot of great knowledge. So when Paul calls us to live wisely, I feel this very unsettling question rise up within me. Am I stewarding the knowledge that I have been given? Am I making the most of this blessing and living wisely? This is my discomfort, and maybe you can relate to that. James 1.5 is clear. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. James invites you and I to ask God in faith to live out the knowledge that we have been given. That's wisdom. The same is applicable in Colossians. Paul tells us to act wisely toward outsiders. He's specifically calling out our actions to those other people who don't have the same relationship with Jesus that we do. And I be honest? That's not something I say, I focus on, am aware of, see at all when I'm all spun out. Do you? But here's what can be so helpful in this council. It reminds us that life isn't just about us. It's about being ready for whatever may come even when we feel like so much around us is out of place, so that we make the most of every opportunity. I don't know about you, but when I look back on my life, as I grow in wisdom, I find myself wanting to be confident that I'm not wasting time, that I'm not wasting the season I'm in, no matter how good or bad, hard or easy it may be. I want to weather each storm the best that I can. Furthermore, what a witness of God's love and comfort we can be to others who don't have a relationship with Jesus if we act in a way that is glorifying and honoring to God, even when what we're experiencing seems contrary to do so. Paul instructs our words to be gracious and seasoned with salt. Imagine what our world would would be like if we spoke more graciously. Politicians might actually be heard. Bullying wouldn't be so prevalent. Caregivers would feel more confident in their skills. Friendships would be sweeter and love would be deeper. Like plenty of salt on a good steak and baked potato, our actions to the people around us can truly make or break a meal. So let's ask ourselves, where in my life might I have blinders on? Where could I open my eyes a bit wider so that I may be ready for any opportunity that God would provide? Is it my office or place of work? the gym you spend consistent time at, the kids you're home with every day or the school that they attend, even the barista or store clerk that you interact with regularly. No doubt there are people and places we can bring gracious words and actions to show the heart of God to the world around us. So if we're to summarize what Paul is inviting us to in these verses, this is how I would say it. Be rooted in God and ready for kingdom opportunity. Rooted in God and ready for kingdom opportunity. So notice how this begs us to answer two questions. One, am I rooted in God? And two, am I ready for kingdom opportunity? What's interesting is the way these verses actually show us how. Maybe the most significant and powerful way that we root ourselves in God relationally is through prayer. So pick a time, a place, and plan to bring God both the good and the bad consolation and desolation. And kingdom opportunity almost always has a face because in the most basic sense, the kingdom of God is about people surrendering to Jesus as king. So the way we ready ourselves for kingdom opportunity is to open our eyes to the people around us. And also be reminded that if you find yourself struggling beyond what's in Paul's purview in the context of this text, please reach out. And so I ask us all, where is God at work? Where is there a hurt I can help heal? Where is there a need I can help meet? Where is there a comforting or encouraging word I can provide? We're going to take a few moments to spend some time reflecting. Maybe you need to ask God to help devote yourself more to prayer, to pick up time, a plan, a place. Maybe you need to ask God to open your eyes to those around you, to whatever he may be inviting you to participate in for his glory. So do that now, and then we'll close in prayer.